0: All right, guys. So uh, just a little bit of review for you. We'll try to uh, just touch the highlights as we get going today. So uh, last week, if you missed it, if you weren't with us uh, last week, we looked at this story of Elizabeth, uh, who had been barren for all of her life and was now uh, an old woman. Uh, She is finally giving birth to this child, this son that God had promised Uh, that she and her husband, Zachariah were going to receive nine months earlier. Uh, The the time has finally come, and this baby that uh, nobody really anticipated uh, being born has finally been born. And uh, the family uh, that was all gathered together there with them uh, just assumed that they knew that this baby was going to be called uh, little Zachariah. And uh, in response to uh, the family and the friends who were there uh, calling the baby Zechariah, uh, Elizabeth, mom said, no, 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 his name is John, and uh, so they, they tried to go over mom's head and go to dad, and Zechariah responded as well, no, his name is to be John, because uh, that was what God had told them his name was supposed to be. So uh, at that moment, as uh, Zechariah affirmed what God had said, that his uh, name would be John, uh, God finally lets Zechariah hear and speak again after nine months of uh, being deaf and mute and unable to uh, communicate other than via signs and, and writing on tablets and things like that. Uh, he's finally able to, to speak again. And uh, with all of the emotions of this son being born, uh, you know how he responds? he responds by uh, letting out this incredible song of praise to God that we're going to look at today. So uh, the the Benedictus is what this song is called. And this, this passage that we're going to look at, uh, the Benedictus is the eruption of joy and praise and celebration that has just been bubbling inside of Zechariah for nine months as he's been unable to speak for nine months. God has been working in his heart and working in his soul and showing him just uh, incredible things about how uh, this Messiah is going to come and how the world is going to be changed. And so uh, Zechariah, when he's finally able to speak, just explodes with this song of uh, joy and excitement. And so uh, this week, as we pick up our passage, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 1, verse 67. And we're going to go through the end of the chapter and look at all of that and and what Zechariah has to say. But uh, in verse 67, Luke introduces this week's passage by saying uh, that his father, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying. And and then after that, uh, it goes into this song that Zechariah uh, proclaimed and, and sang there in the presence of uh, Elizabeth, his wife, and John, his new son, and the family and friends that were all gathered together there and uh, Zechariah in this moment is uh, speaking on behalf of God. He is uh, playing a incredible role as this mouthpiece for God to declare uh, what God is doing in this situation and what God is doing in the world, and uh, is just is given this incredible opportunity that his words here in this passage that we're going to look at, really ultimately uh, they're his words, but As we know with all Scripture, yes, they're Zechariah's words, but really they're they're God's words that God uh, inspired and gave to Zechariah that we can now Uh, today sit here and read and hear from God Himself as we read and consider these words. So uh, just like Mary's song, Zechariah's song, uh, we looked at Mary's a few weeks ago, Zechariah's song is uh, filled with Scripture. It is filled with uh, Old Testament connections, Old Testament pictures of uh, what Uh, what a a relationship with God, what God had revealed of himself up to that point. Uh, This isn't just Zechariah speaking. This is uh, Zechariah looking back and saying, look, this is what uh, God did. And and this is how uh, God fulfilled this promise in the Old Testament. And this is what God's doing here. And uh, it is just an incredible picture. Uh, It is almost entirely Old Testament phraseology and and Old Testament uh, connections all through this song. Some scholars have made as many as 33 uh, connections, 33 possible uh, either allusions or direct quotations from the Old Testament in this brief song uh, of just a few short verses. So uh, this hymn is called the Benedictus. I- I've referred to that name a couple of different times. Uh, it's it's commonly traditionally referred to as the Benedictus because the opening expression that we see translated in our Bibles, uh, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, uh, that, that beginning of verse 68 uh, was rendered in the Latin translation of the Bible, uh, Benedictus Dominus Deus Israel. Uh, I don't speak Latin. I think that's about how it's pronounced. Uh, but the, the title of this song, Uh, captures the message quite well. Uh, It captures the message of what uh, is being communicated in these verses quite well, because it really is a song of benediction. It's a song of praise for how God has uh, been working in Zechariah's life, in the history of the people of Israel, and uh, how he has worked to uh, bring Israel to this point where the Messiah, the Savior, uh, the one that they've been waiting for is finally uh, about to come. So uh, Jesus was going to be a descendant of King David that had come uh, years and years before. And uh, King David used that same phrase, uh, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, that uh, Zechariah used when he installed his son Solomon as his successor as the king. We see that in 1 Kings chapter 1. And so I think it's fitting, I thought it was interesting, if nothing else, that uh, the first son of David, Solomon, and the ultimate son of David, Jesus, Uh, we're both going to be celebrated with uh, these same identical words of praise uh, to God. So uh, this week, as we look at this song that Zechariah is singing, it it points a little bit to uh, what God is doing in the birth of Zechariah's son, John, but even more than it talks about John, it it talks about the coming Messiah. It talks about uh, the hope that they are going to have that That God is going to send this promised one, this Messiah. And so uh, we see four different uh, little sections, little uh, topics that Zechariah covers in his song. And so we see uh, all of them are praise to God. And the first thing that we see is uh, Zechariah praises God for keeping his promise to David. Uh, We refer to that as, as. the Davidic covenant, and uh, God keeps that covenant that he made with David. Uh, The second thing that we're going to see Zechariah celebrate in this song is the fact that God kept his promise to Abraham that he had made way back in the book of Genesis. We also see Zechariah praise and celebrate God because he kept the promise that he made to Zechariah and giving him his son John that was going to go in front of Jesus the Messiah as the forerunner, as the one who was going to prepare the way for Jesus. And finally, we see Zechariah praise God for the coming of the rising sun, uh, is the way that it's phrased in this passage but uh, hope is is on the horizon uh just like the 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 night uh, ultimately every single day the night comes to an end and uh, the sun rises and morning comes and hope comes and uh the sunrise uh, that that Zechariah refers to here is uh, it's just a cool picture. It's a, it's a great way, artistic way of communicating uh, what is happening in the coming of the Messiah. And so we're going to look at all four of those things and see just some, some really cool pictures of what God is doing and how Zechariah puts just uh, words of worship and celebration uh, to acknowledging what it is that God's doing. So let's look first at Luke Chapter 1, verses 68 through 71, as we look at Zechariah praising God for his fulfillment of the covenant that he had made with David. We'll pick up in verse 68, and it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. And he has, as he spoke, by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. This so-called Davidic covenant was simply God's promise that he had made or a covenant that he had made to David uh, that David was going to be succeeded by his son Solomon uh, who would go on to build the temple uh, for Israel and was going to uh, continue David's line uh, but Solomon was going to be succeeded that ultimately there was going to be a, a greater successor uh, who would establish the throne of David forever. Uh, we see that in 2nd Samuel chapter 7. You don't have to follow it, turn over there, uh, but just listen as I read 2nd Samuel uh, verses 7 uh, chapter 7, excuse me, 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verses 12 through 13. Uh, it says When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Uh, If you guys aren't aware by now that the the earthly kingdom of David and Solomon and uh, the kings who came after that, ultimately that kingdom was not a forever kingdom. Uh, But what these verses do talk about is that uh, God is ultimately on the throne, and uh, this one who is going to come, who is going to fulfill this covenant, this promise that God had made, uh, was going to reign on the throne forever. And uh, if you're unaware of who that is, it's Jesus. Uh, Jesus came from the family line of David, and uh, Jesus is going to be the one who reigns forever. Even after uh, this world has, has long disappeared and has gone, uh, we will always have the opportunity to know that uh, Jesus is on the throne, that Jesus is the king, and uh, nothing, no one, no, no created thing in all of existence uh, is able to remove uh, God from his position of authority and kingship. And so uh, that's what this promise, this uh, covenant with David uh, is talking about. And this song's main theme, as we look at uh, Zechariah's song, the song's main theme that we see uh, in this passage that we're looking at today, uh, it appears in verses 68 through 70. Uh, While the rest of the song is is really just kind of an elaboration of what this main point is, uh, this main point we see here in these verses, it says that the Lord, the God of Israel, uh, has once again acted on behalf of His people, and by visiting them and redeeming them, He has set them free. Uh, we also see uh, what I thought was a cool picture. Uh, It says in verse 69 that God has raised up a horn in the house of David. Uh, That may not mean a whole lot to us, uh, not many of us uh, would have any idea without a little bit of background information what raised up a horn means but uh, Zechariah's remarks here serve as kind of a, a literary artistic expression of uh, what God had said earlier in Luke chapter 1 and uh, as he sings about this horn as he talks about this metaphor of a horn of salvation uh, that was going to come from the house of david that picture of a horn uh, comes from uh, the the image of an animal's horns uh, especially that of an ox or a buffalo or uh, one of these animals that their horns symbolize their strength and their power uh, we see that in a couple of different places in the old testament deuteronomy uh, chapter 33 uh, verse 17 kind of alludes to that picture of a horn uh, being a symbol of power and so uh, as it talks about the lifting up of the horn in the Old Testament, uh, it refers to an animal tossing its horns back and forth in a display of power. Uh, Psalm 148 uh, verse 14 talks about that. And as it says uh, that he has raised up a horn in Zechariah's song, in this passage that we're looking at today, uh, we see uh, it kind of suggests the same idea. It, it carries the same meaning as Uh, It did in these Old Testament passages. Uh, If you were to go to Africa and and, uh, meet up with some of the hunters who uh, hunt for the Cape buffalo, this huge, incredibly powerful animal that uh, they go out hunting, braver men than I uh, go out hunting, Uh, What you'll find out is uh, they say that uh, when one of those great animals begins to take its horns and scuff the ground and rhythmically uh, swing its horns back and forth, uh, what that means is you better get out of the way. You better move because it is uh, preparing for a deadly charge. And uh, In the same way that an animal's horns symbolize its strength and its power, uh, an animal's horns uh, they they are a weapon uh, but they also are an ornament of beauty uh, the davidic horn that uh, is referred to here the the horn from the house of david that was going to be raised up uh, in a mighty display of power an image of uh, incredible battle is being kind of communicated here. And as we look at this picture of a battle, a conflict that's happening, uh, this son of David, this descendant from David's house is ultimately, he's he's the powerful one that's going to come in the midst of the conflict and uh, put an end to the conflict. And if that is not just a beautiful symbol, a beautiful picture and reminder for us of the good news of what Jesus came to do, of, of what Jesus came to accomplish in the world in the way that he uh, showed us what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is, and he ultimately conquered uh, the, the, the incredibly powerful enemies of sin and death and uh, separation from God and, and God's wrath and all of the things that were uh, at one point on our account, that you and I had to worry about dealing with, uh, that we had to be fearful of. Uh, Jesus, the Messiah, the, the horn of salvation that was going to come from David's family, uh, set us free from all of those worries because uh, he is the hero in the midst of this story the appeal to david's house makes one thing incredibly clear for us uh, it's that god is doing uh, in this moment in, in the moment where zechariah is singing this song uh, god is doing uh, what the prophets had anticipated and and foretold long long ago years before uh, zechariah is anticipating the messiah is coming the one who is has been promised to save us, that we've looked forward to for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And he is celebrating and he is uh, thanking God for for what God is doing in the midst of this situation. So uh, this awesome horn from the house of David was going to have uh, a twofold ministry that we're going to get to see and and we see uh, alluded to in this passage. Uh, The first one is that in redemption, he uh, buys back, he he ransoms his people uh, with his own uh, life, with his own sacrifice. And the other thing is that this horn from the house of David was going to bring deliverance ultimately from all earthly enemies. Uh the the immediate context that the Jews were looking at was uh they many of them had a hard time understanding that there was a bigger picture that Jesus was trying to uh, set us free from sin and death. They just wanted to be set free from Rome. Uh, they just wanted to be uh, set free from the oppressors that were Uh, We're we're there uh, every day, day in and day out, holding them down, and we know that uh, this Messiah, this horn of salvation that's come, uh, is going to set us free from all earthly enemies as well in Uh, the final uh, judgment of Christ and the final return of Christ that we see in the book of Revelation. uh, Not only do we see freedom from death, but we see uh, freedom from any other authority, any other worldly power that would try to uh, exert control over God's people ultimately is going to be set aside, and God is the one and only ruler who will rule forever and ever. So we can have hope in that. We can celebrate that uh, even though King David's throne and and King David's uh, kingdom has uh, temporarily fallen uh, and we're not a part of that right now, uh, ultimately, there is a fulfillment in the end of the world, in the end of the days, uh, where uh, God uh, resumes uh, His rightful place on the throne of all people, where where the, the majesty and the glory and the rightful position of God on the throne of every single person's life Uh, Every single person will realize that and will acknowledge that. Every knee will bow, and the Bible tells us that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And there will be no uh, getting around that. There will be no uh, Roman influence. There will be no other uh, empires in the world that can compete with that or challenge that. Uh, The throne of David in Jesus the Messiah will ultimately uh, continue on and reign forever. The next thing that we see Zechariah celebrating here in these uh, verses is uh, he is praising God for the fulfillment of the covenant that God made the the promise that God made with Abraham uh, way back in the book of Genesis. So uh, Zechariah's praise for God fulfilling this covenant that he made with Abraham uh, it, it moves naturally from uh, the 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 covenant that God fulfilled for David to the one that God is fulfilling uh, for that, that he made with Abraham as well. Uh, the Abrahamic covenant was first expressed when uh, God promised Abraham, uh, while he was still childless, similar to uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth's uh, plight, uh, God promised Abraham that even while he was childless, uh, he was going to make him into a great nation, that all the peoples of the earth were going to be blessed through him. We see that In Genesis chapter 12, I want to read for you guys that passage. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Uh, It says in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse." And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. This oath that God made with Abram, uh, Abraham, uh, ultimately it, it took place after uh, Abraham's display of obedience. Uh, after God had made that promise that I just read for you guys, the oath that uh, Zechariah refers back to takes place after Abraham's uh, Uh, willingly uh, goes and and prepares to offer his son that God had given to him as a sacrifice. And after uh, God stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son Isaac, uh, we see in Genesis chapter 22 the the fact that God makes an oath, a promise uh, that will be fulfilled. Genesis chapter 22, verses 16 through 18, God says, "...by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord." Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. God swore to Abraham that he was going to keep this covenant, uh, that he was going to keep this promise that he had made with Abraham. And uh, that promise, that reality is what uh, Zechariah is referring to and, and celebrating joyfully in this next little section that we're going to look at from Luke chapter 1. So if we look at Luke chapter 1, we'll read now verses 72 through 75, and we're going to see Zechariah celebrating God again. Like we have talked about time after time, it seems like every single week we see this again and again in Scripture. Uh, The promises that God has made in the past, God is keeping and will always keep His promises. So uh, let's look at Zechariah's celebration of uh, God keeping His promises Uh, in verses 72 through 75 of our passage. In verse 72, it says, "...to show mercy toward our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days." What Zechariah desires most is to be rescued from his enemies so that he can serve God in his whole life without fear, that he can serve God in righteousness, that he can serve God in holiness, that he can give everything that he has and give it completely to God without interference or outside influence from his enemies. Here, what we see is really the commitment of any committed Christian— and really what what Zechariah boils this down to and what he's saying is God I want to serve you with my whole life God everything that I have it's yours enable me to be able to do so and so Zechariah is thrilled Zechariah is just brimming with excitement uh, talking about this powerful promised one this promised messiah who was going to come, who has the authority to overcome uh, oppression, who has the authority to uh, overcome the enemies that that God's people had been dealing with and facing, and uh, to provide them an opportunity for uh, undistracted, uh, unwavering commitment and service uh, to their God. Simply put, God saves us so that we might be able to worship Him. Freedom from uh, enemies is a good goal, uh, but it's not the ultimate goal, and I think that's important for us to remember. Uh, God sets us free from things, and, and we enjoy benefits of uh, our relationship with God. We, we enjoy them every day. He can set people free from uh, a number of things. Uh, but freedom, just for freedom's sake, is not ultimately the goal of uh, why God sets us free. He sets us free from, from those things so that we can point uh, glory and affection and everything that we have back to Him. Uh, freedom that, uh, that God gives us, it's not ultimately the freedom that God is most concerned about. Uh, it's, it's the freedom to worship. And uh, that worship that, that we're talking about, it's not a begrudging task it's not something that that we are forced to do, but it's a joyful existence that we get to live in, that we get to celebrate. Uh, John Piper uh, communicated this really well and, and really clearly that uh, he said that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And, and what that quote means is uh, we are not uh, begrudgingly... Uh, dragging our way through uh, obedience and and okay god i'll i'll give you what you want this time cuz uh, i guess you're in charge now uh, god is glorified in us when we are uh, most satisfied in him Walking in a life of obedience to this great God, this great king who loves us and was willing to sacrifice his son for us so that that Jesus was willing to give his life for us that's not something that we that we hang our heads and, and pout about as we obey uh, It's something that we get to joy and and be uh, satisfied and filled and excited about and uh, when we live in that obedience when we live in that uh, joy and that excitement and that uh, wholehearted commitment to God I want to I want to do everything exactly the way that you tell me because God I know that your way is best and and I know that when I obey you uh, it's going to it's going to result in my benefit uh, when we live life that way that is the way that God is most glorified in our lives. That is the time when uh, when God is most pleased, when He looks at us and sees us joyfully and willingly uh, giving Him everything that we have and, and, and chasing after uh, the way that He tells us to live, that brings uh, joy to His heart. That is, in its simplest sense, uh, worship that God desires from us. So uh, this uh, song that Zechariah is singing. This uh, fulfillment of these covenants that he's talking about, both uh, the covenant, the promise that God made with David, and the promise that God made with Abraham, uh, point us to a life of celebration and worship. Uh, we have so much to be thankful for. Uh, salvation is coming. Zechariah is declaring it and singing it. The one who is, has been promised that was going to come and save us, he's here. And uh, Zechariah was so excited about that, Uh, and we are able to look back and and know that even more than Zechariah was. Uh, Salvation has come, and in addition to that, God's mercy is being richly and generously given uh, through His sending of this Messiah. The next thing that we're gonna see uh, in our passage is Zechariah's praise for his boy that was born, his praise uh, for John. So Zechariah now prophesies about this son uh, that has been born, John. Uh, Let's look at verses 76 and 77 together in our passage. It says, "'And you, child, "'will be called the prophet of the Most High, "'for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, "'to give to his people the knowledge of salvation, by the forgiveness of their sins. Uh, Zechariah prophesies about this son that he's been given, and he says that uh, John will be great. He says that John will be a prophet of the Most High. Uh, He says that John will be uh, unique among the prophets. There were other prophets, there were other people who had come and, and spoken on God's behalf in the Old Testament, but His son John was going to be unique in his role as a prophet because he was going to be the forerunner for the Messiah. He was going to be the one who went before the Messiah to soften the ground, to to prepare the hearts of the people of Israel to receive Jesus and receive what it was that he was coming to offer them. Uh, his son John, he, he prophesies he's not going to be the Savior, but what John will do is he's going to come to to get things ready for that Savior that was going to come by preaching and teaching how people are supposed to be saved. In addition to all of that, to, to citing that uh, John's job was going to be as a prophet and a forerunner, uh, Zechariah's words also focused on uh, the depths of John's ministry. He says that uh, John would give his people the knowledge of salvation. We talked a lot about what that meant last week the The knowledge of salvation that that people need to acknowledge and realize that they are sinners who deserve uh, god's wrath deserve god's punishment. but uh, God, in his uh, rich mercy, uh, has sent his son, has sent this messiah, this deliverer, to come and to buy back and to redeem. Uh, his people, the, these people who were trapped in uh, the consequences of their sin to buy them back. And uh, what a incredible thing for Zechariah to be able to sit here and to celebrate and to sing about in this song. Uh, he's not only uh, just celebrating. Uh, what what a miraculous thing, uh, his receiving this son, this son, uh, John being born. What an incredible thing that was. And uh, he would certainly have every reason to, to to just sing and celebrate the fact that he had been given a son. Uh, but even in his acknowledgement of what uh, John was going to be and, and this uh, joy that he had about this son, the fact that he just had a son wasn't the biggest point of his celebration the the most exciting thing that he was pointing to was not i have a son but that my son is is going to point forward to the ultimate one the the ultimate gift that god was going to give and what an incredible thing that zechariah was able to sing about his son coming and preparing the way for this messiah uh, preparing the way and and communicating the important fact the the true knowledge of salvation that uh, people were going to be forgiven of their sins that that people would uh, come to God through the ministry of his son John uh, what an incredible opportunity that was and so uh, we see Zechariah in these verses in uh, 76 and 77 just celebrating the birth of his son but celebrating his son as the one who was going to point to the promised one of God. Finally, in the last few verses that we're going to look at, uh, we see Zechariah praising God for uh, the sunrise, for for the rising sun. So uh, Zechariah ended his song with praise for the imminent sunrise. Let's look at verses uh, 78 and 79. It says, Because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Those words, uh, sunrise from on high, uh, it's rendered in some old English versions as dayspring, that, that the day is springing up. Uh, In some uh, modern translations, we see it translated as the first light of heaven, or uh, the morning sun from heaven, or the rising sun. Uh, All of these different ways that they're communicated, all these different ways that translations uh, say this, they all point to the fact that this uh, cosmic appearance of Jesus uh, is that, that He is the light of the world and we see that in so many different Bible passages. Uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of so many passages, both Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, All of it points backwards or points forwards to uh, Jesus and points forward or backward to uh, the incredible reality of, of who Jesus was, of the fact that Jesus is the hero of the story. The first half of the Bible, the Old Testament, points forward to this hero that is going to come. And as Zechariah is sitting here, just seemingly moments before the sunrise, moments before this incredible light that uh, the people of Israel have been looking forward to for thousands of years, uh, he is able to point to these facts and, and point to uh, the reality that Jesus is going to be the fulfillment of so many of these things. Guys, uh, sunrise is coming. The moment is coming when, when this uh, bright light that we've been waiting for, this Messiah that we've been waiting for, is finally going to come over the horizon. And uh, all of our hopes, all of our anticipation of this uh, saving one, uh, they're going to be revealed, and they're going to come true. Uh, as Zechariah is saying, the hope of morning is coming. And we see that in several different places. I want to just point out a few verses and read for you guys uh, what uh, some some really cool places that I found this week. Studying where uh, Jesus is prophesied or talked about as the Messiah, as the light who is coming, as uh, the the coming sunrise. So, uh, in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter four, uh, he's prophesied as the coming sunrise. And Ma- uh, Malachi four two, it says, "But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you." Will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. In the end of Revelation, uh, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, uh, Jesus is described as the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant that we were just talking about a minute ago. Revelation twenty-two sixteen says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. For I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star." In John chapter 8, Jesus says of himself, in John 8, 12, he says, Then Jesus spoke again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus reveals his glory, uh, where it says in in Mark 9, verses 2 and 3, uh, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and uh, brought them up upon a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them, and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And finally, we see in Isaiah chapter 11, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promised one, the one that Israel had been waiting for, that Israel had been hoping for. He's the fulfillment of this ancient prophecy that we see in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5 it says then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from the roots from his roots will bear fruit the spirit of the lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and strength the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord and he will delight in the fear of the lord he will not judge by what his eyes see nor make a decision by what his ears hear but with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins, and faithfulness the belt around his waist. Uh, What Zechariah is saying here, uh, what these Old Testament passages or, or New Testament passages that I was able to to point forward to some things that Jesus said that Zechariah didn't have the the ability and the privilege of pointing forward to yet, uh, hope is coming. Uh, Zechariah is here singing, celebrating, bursting forth with with joy after being silent for nine months, uh, declaring that the birth of his son John has given Zechariah hope that that not only is uh, he been given has he been given a son, but uh, that sun is going to point forward, that that there is a joyful hope, that, that morning is coming, the sunrise is coming, and the light of the world that they had been anticipating was finally uh, going to arrive. Uh, as we start to wrap all this up, uh, applying the message of hymns or songs like this can be difficult for us sometimes. It can be tricky for us sometimes. So uh, we all sense when we read a song like this, when we read a passage like this, that uh, our experiences are are not exactly the experiences of uh, the person who's writing this song. Uh, Their concerns are not quite our concerns. So uh, Zechariah, for example, has worries about Rome that we no longer have. Uh, they have really practical things that were going on in their time in history that we don't have to worry about. Uh, but the lesson from this passage is not grounded in uh, the fact that we have to replicate the songwriter's experience in terms of the details. Uh, the The importance of this passage is not in the details about how Zechariah is hoping that Rome is going to be taken care of. Uh, what we do, what we can do, and and Uh, instances where we look at songs like this and and try to interpret them for ourselves is uh, we can share in the spiritual tension. Uh, We can share in the hope, the the faith that uh, is being communicated and seen uh, into which the experience that this uh, songwriter is living through uh, he has lived through these things he has lived through uh, this this dark night this silence from god that they had lived through for 400 years leading up to uh, the birth of jesus and and living through this silence and looking forward with the hope of the sunrise that was coming uh, it gives us uh, some things that we can point to it gives us some some hope and some Uh, so some opportunities that we can pick out little things uh, that really do apply to us well Uh, the the song that we're looking at here asks us to enter in by identifying with the songwriter's attempt to come to grips with his circumstances. Uh, much like we have to come to grips with circumstances in our lives sometimes, anybody had to deal with that uh, over the past few months, we have to come to grips with uh, what God is teaching us in difficult circumstances uh, in our lives. Uh, Zechariah has has lived through some of those same things and uh, has come out on the other side of it. And so as we look at this song, uh, there are attitudes of faith, of uh, trust, of hope, uh, of joy, of uh, honesty, with which he deals with some of these difficulties, some of these problems that he's faced. And, and we can look at the character of how he has, has dealt with all of these things. And those, uh, those character traits, those things that we see in his life uh, can, can point to things that we, can, that we can apply, that we can put into our own life with the help of God and his Holy Spirit. Uh, This hymn uh, that we've looked at, this song that we've looked at today is uh, an incredible grand overview of uh, how God has brought uh, the larger promise of salvation and deliverance uh, to action. Uh, There are two great promises of God that we see alluded to in this song, the promise that God made to uh, Abraham and the promise that God made to uh, David. And both of these things are alluded to as uh, being realized in the events surrounding these two newborns uh, the the events of John being born and soon after uh, Jesus being born, uh, those promises that God had made to Abraham and to David th- they're finally coming true after all of the waiting. Uh, these things are finally coming to pass, and uh, the hope for uh, saints like Zechariah, the hope for uh, people who placed their faith and their hope in God. Uh, is that uh, they were going to be able to serve God without distraction. They were going to finally be able to uh, to realize uh, the promises being fulfilled that that they had looked forward to for all of their lives and uh, their families had looked forward to for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So uh, we see this incredible picture. and uh, there's really there's there's one key thing. Uh, one key attitude that I want to highlight as uh, we wrap up this story of Zechariah and looking at uh, his life and his experiences. Uh, Zechariah to me as I've been studying and reading uh, his experience with the Lord in Luke chapter 1 uh, it points to the fact that even good men can get better even uh, good Christians can uh, learn to walk in deeper trust and, and in more uh, complete and rich and mature faith uh, in God uh, we see people like Zechariah and Zechariah walked a uh, incredible life of obedience. He, he was a priest. He was someone who uh, probably would put uh, the obedience of me and, and anybody else listening out there, he would probably put most of us to shame in the way that he uh, obeyed everything that God had uh, commanded and asked of him as best as he could. Uh, but uh, what we walk in, what we realize so often, is that we are tempted on... Uh, the basis of our past experiences, uh, I'll just, I'll just speak for myself in this. I don't want to assume this for anybody else. Uh, I'll just speak for myself. Uh, there are times where I am tempted to, uh, put my, uh, relationship with the Lord, to, to put my spiritual maturity, kind of set it on cruise control and, uh, say, uh, you know, uh, there, there's, there's a lot going on in life right now. So, uh, I don't need to push quite as hard. I, I don't need to focus as much on growing right now in my relationship with the Lord because I've, I've put in a lot of effort in the past. So maybe I'll just put it on cruise control and try to maintain it and, and, and sit back and rest a little bit in this process of God cleaning me up and changing me and and making me more into uh, the person that he wants me to be. But as we look at this story of Zechariah, I love seeing this picture of an older saint, of an older person who had lived a life of faithfully trying to follow what God wanted for him for the majority of his life, and uh, even though he had followed the Lord for decades, uh, he still wants to grow. He still wants to know the Lord better, uh, still wants to uh, to to move into a deeper place of obedience and understanding uh, in his relationship with God. And so uh, what an encouragement this picture of Zechariah has been to us, has been to me, as we look at this as, as a person who— uh, I've I've known the Lord for several years, but I feel like I've still got uh, quite a ways to go still in my relationship with Him. And as uh, someone who is still kind of on the, the front half of my journey with the Lord, hopefully, uh, if, if God's willing to give me uh, as many years as I'm hoping for, uh, man, what an incredible journey I am still able to look forward to. Zechariah is just such a great uh, hero for us to look towards. He, he's such a great example for us to look towards because uh, he, uh, faithfully to the end of his life, he he didn't obey perfectly every time. We saw that uh, a few weeks ago when we saw uh, doubt creep in, and and we saw uh, some some disobedience creep in as uh, the angel Gabriel uh, told him that uh, he was going to have a baby, that he and Elizabeth were going to have a baby, but even in his doubt. Uh, he comes out on the other side of that uh, silence that god struck him with that that season of being unable to hear and unable to speak uh, he comes out on the other side of it having continued to grow he he didn't get bitter like we talked about last week he got better and and he allowed God to work in him and to continue to shape him even decades into his relationship with the Lord and uh, i just think that's such a cool encouragement for us uh, church i don't know where you're at in your relationship with the Lord i don't know if you are uh, even saved if you even have a relationship with the Lord yet and uh, if if you don't, I'd encourage you go back, click on the next link down on the YouTube channel or uh, the next video down on our Facebook page that talks about uh, what we looked at last week with the birth of John. Uh, we talked really clearly about what that looks like, what that means to follow Jesus, to to give your life to him and to be saved from uh, the the punishment that we all deserve. So we're not going to talk about that again this week, but uh, whether you are there that you don't even have a relationship with God yet, or whether you've been following God faithfully for uh, 60 or 70 years, uh, both ends of the spectrum, there's still work for us to do. We we, we still have to continue to grow. Uh, don't just uh, sit back and be content and, and get comfortable in your cushy chair and say, God, I... I've put in my years. I've, I've served my time. I've, I've, I've helped out with enough children's classes. I've uh, passed uh, the, the bulletins out enough times at church. I've, I've checked all my boxes. God, I, I've read the Bible through 10 times already. I, I don't need to keep reading. I know everything that it says. May we never get to a point where we say, uh, God, I'm good. I've, I've done enough. Because whether that is uh, me being lazy in a moment as a, a thirty-two-year-old saying, oh, "Man, I've I've done this for a while. I think I got it figured out now. God, I, I don't need any more input. Thanks for the input. I'll let you know." Don't ever say that. May I never, ever, ever have that attitude. And if I am ever guilty of that, uh, my 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 prayer is that God would forgive me of that because what we've seen here with Zechariah is uh Zechariah is passionately trying to grow, passionately chasing after uh, the man that God wants him to be uh, for the for the entirety of his life. Even as an old man, he realizes there's still growing to be done and he is committed to uh, becoming the man that God wants him to be. So uh, it causes me to desire to keep on uh, pushing, keep on keeping on, uh, because even in the story of Zechariah, we see that God's always got work to do in our lives. Uh, as we finish up, I just want to finish uh, by going back through our passage, and I, I don't want to read the whole thing, but I just want to ask some, some questions that I believe our passage today uh, would ask of us. So, Uh, Christian, uh, believer, uh, person who is just sitting there with uh, a relationship with God wherever it is on the spectrum for you. Uh, Would you consider uh, some of these questions that the passage begs of us today, that the passage asks of us today, and consider how God wants to speak to you uh, this morning? Question one, has the sunrise from on high filled your life? Do you have the knowledge of salvation that Zechariah has talked about? Is Christ your mighty horn of salvation? Is the power that he controls, that he holds over sin and death, is that your hope in life? Are you assured of the forgiveness of sins like Zechariah talked about? Have you been delivered from the shadow of death? And how should that impact your attitude? How should that impact your heart in everything that you face in life? Have you been delivered from the shadow of death? Have you been able to serve him without fear? And finally, are your feet treading the way of peace? As it said in our passage today. If not, if if you answered no to any of these things or all of these things, uh, I'll 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 crack the code for you. You need the light of Jesus in your life more. Uh, you need to to surrender to him in whatever that looks like. Whether that is uh, asking him to save you, whether that is uh, laying aside some sin that so easily uh, trips us up and entangles us, and, and giving him everything that you have, all of uh, your affection in life, uh, you you uh, whatever that looks like, uh, listener out there. Whether you uh, have been going to church for the last eighty years or whether this is the first time you've ever opened up or heard words from the Bible, uh, can, I, can I beg you? Can I, can I plead with you today? Uh, take a step forward. Take a step uh, towards God. Uh, take a step of obedience and surrendering and allowing this joy of salvation, this joy of the sunrise that Zechariah is talking about, let that make a difference in your life today. So uh, guys, would you pray with me? And and let's seek what God has for us and beg him uh, to, to put these words to work in our life. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for, um, God, just for your word. God, we thank you for uh, the example of Zechariah and the way that he uh, points us to the Messiah and everything that happened in his life God he points forward to Jesus and uh, what an incredible example that is for us God may may everything that I do in my life point people to Jesus in the same way that Zechariah tried so hard to do in pointing people to the Messiah uh, God we pray that uh, that wherever we are in our relationship with you God I, I beg and and pray that that each and every person listening today would um, God, that we would continue to grow in our relationship with you just like Zechariah did. God, that we would uh, realize that that you are a promise keeper, that you are a God who—God, uh, you you made promises to Abraham and to David, and uh, we were able, even to Zechariah, and we were able to see those things and, and celebrate those together in uh, this song that we studied this morning. But God, even more than that, uh, God, you make promises to us uh, that you will come through on every single promise that we see in scripture that you make. God, you always, always, always come through. And so, God, we pray that as we uh, hear from you this morning, God, as we, uh, God, as you speak to us even now, uh, God, my desire is that you would, um, God, that you would draw us into uh, that life of obedience, of, of uninterrupted unbroken uh, following you in everything that we say, in everything that we do. So God, we, God, we give it all to you. God, I, I pray that you would uh, take everything in my life and be pleased with it. God, that it may be for you and for your glory. So God, we, we thank you for meeting with us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.